Welcome to the Multitask. This is John. And it's your boy Fadi. What's going on, guys? So the week started off with a doozy. Uh, a leaked uh, copy of the opinion that looks like uh, on a five to four vote uh, that they'll be overturning Roe versus Wade. Uh, what was your thought? What was your reaction to that seismic piece of news? Um, honestly, I don't want to put on a cape here and try to act like um, a superhero. I just felt just pure anger, but not for the obvious reason of uh, us going backwards as a society. But the other one was um, I get angry over people who feel entitled and a lot of the rich white men in the Republican Party feel entitled that they have to do this when the majority of the country doesn't want this. That's what really incensed me was this idea that I think I think the number is 80 percent, 75, 80 percent of the country just wants to leave this alone. It doesn't want to change anything. And yet they still will overpower that. Um and, and overturn something that the majority of the country wants. I want to be clear here. I don't care about the leak. I don't even consider this a leak because if I understand that we call things a leak, but usually a leak means something that wasn't supposed to get out, got out, but this is clearly uh, somebody wanted this to get out for the obvious reason. I'm super happy they did. There was reports that they would might've ruled uh, after the midterms for obvious reasons, but I'm glad. And, and John, I talked to you about this before. Um, when we get angry, we show up. And I, I, the first reaction to this was, I think this, this I've, outside of the fact that women will suffer because of this, um, I thought this will help us in the midterms because we have to keep our foot on the necks of this kind of right-wing extreme fascism thing that they're pushing. So the first first thought I had was just the anger and then, and then uh, optimism of, all right, let's go. It's game time, you know? Yeah, well, it, it's weird. First and foremost, there's, I've heard some very fascinating, and I'm sure you've read them as well, hypotheses on who leaked and why. There's some thoughts that it may have been leaked early to benefit the 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 left, and there's others who thought who may say who are saying that realistically it may have been leaked on the right because maybe there were some folks getting shaky and and so until unless there's an investigation, uh, we will never know. Now, one of the things though too that I think is fascinating is that um, Jenny Thomas's behavior overall has been very questionable and you have to question about how it impacts uh, Clarence Thomas's uh, rulings. So on one hand, you have to wonder how come we're investigating this leak and we're not investigating what's going on with Jenny Thomas. Um, we also heard an hypothesis that someone thinks that she may have been the one who leaked it. Oh, that's um, interesting. Uh, but, you know, the leak, but here's the thing: this is what Republicans do. This is what Republicans wanted, and this is what they've been telling their voters for years. But most of them are not talking about the substance of the ruling. They're focusing on the leak. They're doing a misdirect because they also know that while this is something that they've been lobbying for for years, there's some questions to whether or not uh, now that they've got it, they you know the, they say it's like the dog chasing a car and finally catches the car, and doesn't know what to do. Um, so there's some question as to if they're prepared for that, but they also know that this could be an explosive issue that will motivate our base. But before I throw it back to you, this is where I have a problem with our base. And this goes back to something we talked about last week, something Lawrence O'Donnell said, the Republican voters 
have won at Roe versus Wade overturned. They've gone since 1973 not having it overturned, but they still do what? They show up. They're not sitting here saying, I want my student loans uh, forgiven. If you don't do them in one cycle, I'm staying home. The Republicans never gave them what they wanted on Roe versus Wade, and they continued to show up. And guess what? They're now getting what they wanted on Roe versus Wade. There's a lesson to be learned with that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to pivot here a little bit. Um, this is important. We should pay attention to it, but I'm going to look at it from a different angle. There's a lot of re- Texas now because of this. I don't know if you saw this. Um, Texas is now considering uh, going after basically a bunch of lawsuits that will essentially uh, overturn. I don't know what the word, I don't know what the case was, but it's overturned basically uh, same-sex marriage. And there's people who are experts in this field who would say that's next. And then um, interracial marriage is next. And then desegregating schools is next. They, 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 there was a, th- a thread. I'm not sure if I sent it to you that was basically breaking down. They're coming for all of this stuff. And so what I started doing, John, I've come to the conclusion that um, it's no longer about trying to convince anybody to vote for Democrats. I, I am no longer interested in trying to swing a swing voter. I do not believe those people exist anymore. I really true, truly believe you're a diehard Republican. And there's nothing that's going to convince you otherwise. So what I'm shifting the focus on and what I truly believe Biden and the Democrats should not shift all their focus on, but have a, a portion of their focus be paid attention to is simply turning out our voters that are definitely voting Democrat. There's people who will for sure 100% vote Democrat down the ballot who just might not show up. And that's who our focus should be on. So what I started doing, John, on Instagram, and I know you follow me, but you probably are on Instagram less than uh, than than I am. I, post, I started taking screenshots on Twitter from reporters who were saying, uh, this is what Texas is doing now. Louisiana, I don't know if you saw this, Louisiana introduced a bill that would make it... Um, illegal to miscarry accidentally. They would make you uh, in vitro be outlawed. They would make you take frozen embryos that you had and put them in your body and, 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 and go through that process. They would force all of this, force birth, force birth, first birth, right? And so I think there's opportunity here to um, do what the, the Republicans do to AOC to national, right? There was, there was Democrats who were getting railed by AOC in Florida, in Texas, in Arizona. Republicans were using AOC to campaign nationally. And I think here's an opportunity for us to go to Joe Manchin's district and say, hey, Republicans want to force your wife to go to jail if she has a miscarriage. Even if it was for even if she did anything to to cause the miscarriage or not, right? You're I would go and I would say, I would go to West Virginia Democrats and I would say, hey, Republicans across the board want your wife to go to jail for a miscarriage. They want to ban uh, birth control. They want to do all this. And I would paint it on a national scale, even though these bills are in Louisiana and Texas. Eventually, they'll be in Florida, Georgia, whatever. But I would go across the board and start saying these things because that's what's going to really work. What I started doing, I, I, I'm ranting, but what I started doing on Instagram, I was saying, these people are showing up. Are you, go, are you going to show up now? Look who's showing up to vote against your right. There was a, there was a Republican a congressman, I don't know if you saw this, who had donuts uh, and he brought it to his office and he put BLM on the door and it said, babies' lives matter. And he said, come celebrate with us 
they were celebrating taking your rights away. Are you okay with that? Or are you going to show up? And I was challenging people to say, enough of this. This is all BS. Don't pay attention to gas prices. Don't pay attention to any of this stuff. It's important. But these guys are showing up and it's our turn to show up. So I think there's an opportunity, yes, to paint the Republicans, the extremism as they are. There's no more middle ground anymore. These are who Republicans are. Right. Oh, I agree with that. One, one of the things, though, too, that I think is uh, fascinating is we have to think about just what the effect of the leaks did, both um, good and bad. First of all, good is it's motivated a lot of folks to get to the streets and take to the streets. But one of the things that they have to let people know immediately is that the ruling has not been issued yet, right? So when the ruling is issued, so, so in, every, in every state, it's still status quo until the ruling is issued. And that's the first thing. Second thing, especially for people in the Midwest, in some states, uh, and they're primarily blue states, I think it's 13 states, um, they are, have laws and have legislated in a manner in which no matter what happens with Roe versus Wade, anything short of Congress going ahead and uh, passing and, and the president signing a nationwide ban on abortion uh, it's it's you know it's still going to be available in in at least thirteen states, including our home state of Illinois. So um, you know first and foremost, nothing is final until the 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 um, opinion is released. Secondly, even after it is released, there will be some places: uh, New York, California, Illinois, uh, and uh, ten other states in which it will be available. Uh, and we have to do what we can to support folks. But, you know, one of the things that, but what the problem with that is, is that that is what people, it really disadvantages the poor people and people of color who are less likely to have the resources to travel to some of these states to go ahead and actually uh, get the procedure done. So that, that's a problem. That, that's a huge problem. But I mean, it, it's fascinating because uh, someone I'm close to this week, uh, acknowledged that uh, their mother actually had a back alley abortion at some point and survived it. But it's a sad day. And, you know, I do want to focus on the politics, but I think we need to also just realize this is going to, in addition to all the political opportunity or challenges, it's going to provide a hardship to a lot of people. Yeah, and, I, and that's why I, my last point, I, I tried to say this is important. I don't want to overstep that. But here's you're absolutely right in that sense, right? As, as we know now, banning abortion doesn't actually stop abortions. It, it stops a safe, legal, healthy, uh, uh, basically what we call healthcare. Abortion is just part of healthcare. It's just part of everything else that you could uh, choose to do with your body, right? Or w- women specifically. So um, yeah, we know that abortions don't go down. I also have another fact for you that I, I saw and I will confirm before maybe this episode comes up. Out of Trump, Four years of Trump, four years of Biden, or four years of Trump, four years of Obama, four years of Clinton, four years of Bush. There's been less abortions under the Democrats than there has been the Republicans. Part of that is because we believe in prevention in the sense of contraceptives and condoms and birth control and Planned Parenthood and making good decisions. We're not all about uh, the religious kind of abstinence and that whole thing of of railing against just true healthcare. So if you're really truly anti-abortion, then you would probably vote Democrat more than anything. So that's just another point there. But this is this is going to cause women to suffer. And then, as you said, marginal 
the minorities, the, the poor people who can't afford to hop on a flight and book a weekend in a, in a quote unquote more liberal state and come back. So it's, it's, but I hope that people um, use their anger for good. There was protests across the country. There was protests at the Supreme court. There was a lot of protests and protests are good. I'm happy with protests. I've attended a lot of protests, uh, but we need them to show up in the sense of talking to everyone in their lives about this. And men need to show up as well. We are not going to be in the forefront of this. We cannot lead this. We have to have women lead and follow, but we have to talk to other men in our lives and how this is important. Even if it doesn't directly affect us, uh, it, it will eventually. So we have to, we have to do a better job as well. One of the things you brought up and I went and, and I'm glad you brought it up. And it's something that really pe- people need to focus on a lot is <clears throat> usually when there's democratic administrations and in the states in which they have more, um, let's not call it abortion. I mean, abortion is, is what we're talking about. A woman tries to choose, but don't forget in most states that like Illinois, we don't only make sure that we provide abortion, but we provide a very comprehensive package of women's reproductive health and sex education. And when you have a more comprehensive package of women's reproductive health and sex education, <clears throat> the number of one unwanted pregnancies go down. Do you know that someone said that recently the number of um, abortions done annually is less than it was, uh, as low as it was um, since 1972 or 73? So what that tells you is <clears throat> the legality of abortion is not what the deciding factor is, or even the accessibility of abortion is not what results in a lot of abortions. It's probably the accessibility of overall comprehensive women rep- women's reproductive health and sex education for both men and women. And I mean, that's 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 a stat that, that can't be thrown out. But now let's talk about some of the political considerations. I'm noticing a lot of and it's mainly the never Trumpers, a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans who are not sure where they fall anymore. They're kind of outraged about this. They think it's they think it's bad. Um, and it's something I posed to a friend of mine, and we're still going back and forth. But we know what it needs to look like. We know what a good, accessible reproductive health program looks like. If it meant codifying Roe, you know, federally, would we want to cut a deal with some of the folks? Now, you and I as men might not be in a position to say that we can or cannot do it. So let's maybe expand it to larger progressive issues above and beyond abortion. But how do you handle Republicans who have said, you know what, my party's gone too far? What space do we make for them here? Now, granted, Whatever space we make for them, we have to be careful because this might just be opportunistic on this part. This might be, you know, an Adam Kinzinger, Liz Cheney thing. They're with us on Trump, but, you know, they're still, you know, not in love with their party. You know, uh, they're still in love with their party on other stuff. What's that space that we need to make to build winning coalitions, understanding that we've always known this? Winning Democratic coalitions are a lot more ideologically diverse than winning Republican uh, coalitions. So in your mind, and I'm leading with abortion, but let's, because you and I are men, we might not be the best ones to say what we could, you know, what, what the, what the compromise and what not to compromise on. 
But in the larger general sense, what is your opinion on what space do we make for the uh, like the guy in Utah who the Democrats are now supporting, who's running as an independent, Evan McMullen, right? Who's a Republican running as an independent? What space do we make for those um, dis- disillusioned Republicans who don't want anything to do with their party at this point? <clears throat> Um, it's a good question. Like you said, probably not necessarily a question that, that we should necessarily be deciding, but I will say, I think the pitch there is, here's what I'll say, because there's some overlap here with the anti-maskers, the anti-vaxxers. And I would say, you can't say medical freedom here and then medical freedom elsewhere. You can't have it one or the other. Either you believe in medical freedom or you don't. And I would just try to tell people who are in the middle who don't like the vaccine mandates, who don't, who might take the vaccine but don't want to force other people to take a vaccine, I might tell them, well, why don't we just give women the option to choose what they want to do, which is the same that we're making Kyrie Irving choose whether to get vaccinated or not or choose whether you want to wear a mask or not. It's the same thing. So the pitch for me would be somewhere around there to say, Hey, you're against vaccine mandates. You're against this, this, and this. But why are you forcing women to do something that they don't want to do? Isn't that anti what you actually believe in? So that's that's what I kind of feel the pitch is for those kind of people who are in the middle a little bit. Yeah, you know, because I actually saw, um, uh, actually, it was not even a Republican; it was a conservative Democrat, uh, Quaylar down in Texas, who's getting a lot of heat now because everyone's pointing to him, <laughs> saying, you know, how dare we support him? But he actually came out. Uh, now, he did not commit to voting for a codification, but he did say that he is personally opposed to abortion, but he also kind of believes in Roe being settled law, right? So if if we could go ahead and codify and make sure that you can get abortions anywhere in the country, but it's not as ambitious. Again, you and I, this is a conversation we should have, so I'm trying to change the subject to something we could talk about. But if we could get a lot more, whether it's Build Back Better, whether it's climate, that's not everything we're going to get or should get, but a hell of a lot more than we're going to ever get because we're deadlocked. We're, we're you know, how do we approach that? How do we really truly approach that? You know, we, you know, we talk about policing. I've always felt that right now, the biggest problem with policing is that we're too polarized. Either we're all on the side of we need to do something because of George Floyd, or now, or then we're on the side of people that crimes up. We need to get tough on crime. There's not a lot going on here saying how can we keep George Floyd from happening while at the same time making sure that people are held accountable. And we have policies that deter crime, right? Right now, it seems like we're either shifting one way or the other, and we're not really getting any kind of productive, constructive movement. So, you know, I, I shifted away from abortion, but on these, any these things, climate, you know, again, we know what we need to get, but are we going to go ahead and say, well, if we can't get what we need to get, we're just going to stick with the status quo, or are we going to do incremental things? And I'm not definitely giving Joe Manchin big ups. But that might even be an argument for playing ball with Joe Manchin. He's not giving us everything we want, but you know what? It's either we take what he gives us or he can shut it all down. So how how do we kind of play that game? And, and, and the thing is, is we, we make a deal with him, get what we can get, 
And then we just bust our butts to make sure that he's not the deciding vote come this time next year. Um, it's interesting. I, I think I understand your question, but the problem I'm having is th- there might be great area in policing in build back better and climate. I, I just don't know much if there's any gray area with things like reproductive rights for women. Like, I just don't know if there's a, a smoking gun of like, we'll take A, B and D and you could have C, E. Well, I'll, I don't, I'll I don't take know. I'll tell you, I'll give you one one piece where I know that's a fact and a friend and I are going back on it and I'm treading carefully because she's, I'm dealing with a woman, I'm a man, I don't want to go ahead and be negotiating her rights. But Susan Collins said she does not want to support any kind of codification that doesn't allow for a consciousness clause, meaning that that a doctor can refuse to do one because of their conscience. But my question is, is the consciousness is that a hill we want to die on? Is that a hill that people would want to die on? Because don't forget that if you at least codify it, Planned Parenthood could be in all fifty states. And I doubt too many doctors who work for Planned Parenthood are going to be going ahead and 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 going with conscience. But my friend is saying no, you can't. We can't agree to a consciousness clause, right? I would think with and I and I'm going to have to talk to her offline and get more information. But I would kind of assume that. If our choice is letting Roe get completely repealed or cutting a deal with Susan Collins that does include a consensus clause, you know, again, there, she kept saying to me, no, no, we can't put the consensus clause in there. But again, I'm not going to take a position because I have to lead, let women lead on this, but that's the type of challenge that I'm wondering. That's the kind of question I'm going to continue posing to her and other people. Well, is it worth it to go ahead and not get everything um, or to not get anything because we didn't get everything is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. I also get what she's saying as well. Um, you're right. I would, I would assume that hey, if this doctor doesn't want to do it, then I'll just go find another doctor. Like that makes sense. But her point is also valid as well, where it's just like, this is the same as me going and ask for Tylenol in a lot of ways. This is just healthcare for me. And when you reduce that a little bit for me, it's a zero tolerance and we can't have that. I totally understand that point of it as well. I don't, I don't know, I, I, John, I, this is, I, I don't know. It's, it's not really a complex issue for me and, and it is complex for a lot of people. And that's the unfortunate part. I, I wish we, I wonder, although I think it's wrong, but cause, cause the anti-science push in this country lately, but I wonder if we just approach this as a try to normalize abortions as much as possible is just normal healthcare reproductive stuff that women go through, whether it's birth, birth control or IUDs or, or, um, or just going to get a pap smear or going to get things that are, you just normally get as a woman, you could choose to get an abortion if you want. I think the part of the reason is that the people on the right believe this is a moral and ethical thing. And then the people on the left are just not on the same page with that. Cause we're just saying it's not for us. Women have the right to do what they want with their bodies. And the right is looking at it from a Christian biblical uh, version of that. And that's really where I don't know if there's any middle ground there. So to her point, to your friend's point, I don't know if they could give up ground on anything. So I, I, I just don't know. I guess that's the, my whole thing is to say, I just don't actually know if there's anything to give up. Um, we've already given up too much is how they would feel. I think. Exactly. Exactly. 
and I think that's I think that's the problem. I think I think I think the biggest problem is is that people feel like they've given up too much. But I, you know, I'm I'm a little reticent. But now here's one thing I will tell you: I think that we should probably be calling BS on the whole moral religious piece. I know that's there for some, but there's so many contradictions in in that, right? You know, it's it's you know it, it's you know, you've seen the memes where, you know, you know, you care about the heartbeat when it's in a, in a woman's body, but you don't care about the heartbeat of a living person. So you're talking about guns. Uh, there's people who actually believe it's about controlling women. And, you know, especially when you go ahead and you go so far as to start talking about banning forms of contraception, because is your goal here really to go ahead and reduce uh, abortion? Or is it to really control women? Because I would assume if you're doing things that prevent a woman from getting pregnant um, and thus reducing the number of unwanted pregnancies, thus reducing the number of abortions, isn't that what we're trying to do? So, you know, there is a belief that, you know, while some people are citing moral reasons and religious reasons, uh, in many cases, it comes down to nothing more than just controlling a woman and, and her body. And that's just, you know, and someone made a very good point, too, is, um, is, a, is, is a, a, even a fetus that can't survive outside the womb, is that really a person? Is that really life? Because the thing is, is there's so many other things. And here's where one of the things that's fascinating, you know, they were talking about, and I saw this lady today talking about the problem with this full repeal is women are already going to put in a spot if they have a miscarriage. And evidently, um, my I heard something today that said that, you know, uh, some abortions are when a woman has miscarried, they still have to get the, you know, the fetus and the embryo out. And that's done through abortion. And even and so so now you have a really practical problem of if a woman miscarries and you know what is it what procedures is a doctor allowed to do to deal with the miscarriage so uh it's gonna be crazy um you know there's gonna be some you know political upside, but you know for some people, especially the people who don't care about politics who literally just cannot afford to have a baby or another baby or any number of things cannot have that impact on their life. It's not politics. It's just a matter of survival. And that's, that's the real tragedy is that, you know, we, because of the, the nature of the show and what we do, we always look at things from a political standpoint, but you know, there's a 16 year old girl right now, somewhere in this country or many of them who might end up pregnant and the pregnancy can change the trajectory of their lives. I've got, I've got a number, at least two good, good friends who are very successful in their careers, who both got pregnant at uh, a time in which they could not afford to have a pregnancy. And I've seen them flourish after the abortions. You know, it's, you know, I think we have to, the politics are important and everything else, but at the end of the day, you know, it's the people who are really, truly impacted. They don't care about politics. Yeah. I mean, you said a lot of things 
this is not about moral Christian values at all. This is simply about control of women and other people. They're coming for other things next. They're coming for same-sex marriage, uh, interracial marriage. I, I truly do believe that. Um, and so that's where all the kind of Christian BS and all that kind of moral high ground is, is all, um, like you said, it's hypocritical because you march on a Capitol and, and kill police officers and hurt police officers because you couldn't accept the truth. So, so where is your right to, to do that in the Bible? Right. So it, it's, it's one of those situations where you know that they're, they're just BSing, but, but they all run with it, right. They all run with it and they all are lock and step with all the same excuses. And I want to say another thing is a lot of them will say, no, it, we're not saying you can't do it. We're just saying it should be up to the States, right? This is, this is a legal thing. We're just looking at the law and the constitution and Justice Scalia was talking about the Constitution. There's nothing in the nothing in the Constitution uh, that that protects a, a woman's right to get an abortion. Well, guess what? So There's nothing in the Constitution. What that was Alito. What did you say? Alito. That was Sorry. Alito. Not, not Scalia. One and the same. One and the same. <laughs> um, the one's that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just saying. Might as well not be. But. He said there was nothing in the Constitution about a woman's right to have an abortion, but there's nothing in the Constitution about women and women's right to vote and black people and black people's right to vote and immigrants. And the country is in a different place than it was um, when Alexander Hamilton was walking around. Right. So we have to do we have to be um, vigilant. Uh, I, I remember um, very clearly, John, I don't know if you remember John Stewart's last show, The Daily Show. He said the way to fight the BS is just to be vigilant. I think we have to be vigilant here and say, you guys are making a power grab. We won't allow it. And I don't care if it's come down to the state. Everyone's honestly, John, everyone's talking about codifying the, the law federally. I don't, a lot of people on my timeline have been saying that they're the, the, the Supreme Court would just throw that out anyways. So I don't think there is anything you could do federally. The other thing is McConnell. I don't know if you saw this today. McConnell threatened, that there might be a federal ban on abortion. So it, it works both ways. So in a lot of ways, I don't know if that's the right uh, angle to go at. Uh, I think the right angle to go at simply, John, is um, a lot of the movements in this country that have led to, by the way, look who we're talking about, right? Women's rights, uh, same-sex marriage, uh, interracial marriage, segregation schools. A lot of this stuff was massive, massive country-wide uh, frustration and fed up and, and, and meetings and riots and protests that led to these things. It, it wasn't moral, ethical reasons that these laws were passed. It was the country uprising saying, enough. We don't want this, and this is what we believe in. If 75% of the country believes that women should have a right to get an abortion, then the country should match that uh, when it comes to the ballot box in their state, in their local. Le the reason Illinois has that is because we have a Democratic governor and a Democratic legislator. I saw that retweet. I loved it, John. So the reason that these these states are able to do this is because Democrats are in charge. I don't mean to make this about Dem Democrats or Republicans, but it simply is. When you vote for Democrat, you are in a much better position as a citizen in this country. So I think this is, I think simply, I don't know what the answer to this, but I know the answer is simply to show up every single time and to make noise every single time, every single time there's someone on the ballot. One of the things that, and we're going to move off road, but one of the things that happened this past week um, was there was a primary in Ohio 11. And I bring this up for one reason. Um, 
it was uh, the current Congresswoman, Chantel Brown, who actually won a special election last year to replace Marsha Fudge from uh, also Ohio level, who wanted to become the Secretary of HUD. And in the initial special election, it was um, Chantel versus Nina Turner, plus a few other people. And then in the actual primary for the full term, uh, which was last week, Nina Turner decided to, that one butt whooping from Chantel Brown wasn't enough, and she came after her again, and Chantel increased her margin. But it, it, it also became a controversy because many on the left were very upset about the fact that um, the Democratic establishment, uh, the Democrats in Congress, including the Congressional Progressive Caucus, um, backed Chantel. I will tell you that was completely appropriate. <coughs> I don't agree with people who are trying to make it controversial for one, controversial for one reason. Chantel's a member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. It, them endorsing a non-member would have been impossible. That would have been really controversial. But I think what we have to do, though, is the, the far left came out of that with some really bad feelings. And in many ways, I'm not sure what your read is on it, they're choosing to have bad feelings. They're choosing to make this a problem because it is completely appropriate for the president and other members of Congress to support one of their colleagues, period, end of story. And what was, what was your take on, on, on Ohio 11? So when you said Ohio primary, I thought you were going to Sarai and uh, <laughs> that whole thing. But yeah, this was obviously in the news this week. I will say. Um, you know, I tend to defend the kind of AOC super left kind of I'm the defender on this podcast, but I don't see this as like, I see this as um, the same way I saw Bernie was you, you, you lost and you need to go home and you can't cry in your way home because you lost fair and square. And that's what I kind of look at. This is, is Nina is not going to ever accept this. Um, she probably never accepted this, the runoff uh, last year. So we just have to, on some level, ignore it to say we rocked with Chantel. That's what happened. She won. She won bigger. Same thing with Bernie. Bernie lost in 2016. Everybody thought he was going to uh, come back in 2020 and completely destroy everybody. He lost even by a bigger margin. Like you as a candidate have to know when enough is enough. And to say I lost the same race race twice, I'm not. I don't want to discourage anybody because I, I would vote for Nina Turner over a Republican any single day. Just to be clear, right? But you have to look at you have to read the room, as they say, and you have to realize that you lost this fair and square. You need to go home, and you can't take the ball with you because we're still playing over here. So a lot of these people are sore losers, I think, and a lot of these people. Uh, make a fuss because the, the establishment and rules. And that's what Bernie did in 2016. It was like, they don't want me to win. They don't want me to win. It's like, well, okay. You know what I mean? Like at some point we have to treat them as sore losers. Cause that's what they kind of are. If that makes sense. Well, I know. And it goes back to a larger problem with as we're in an election year and we're approaching the summer, the far left is still looking to be chaos agents. They're still looking to, create chaos when we need to be on message. And, I, and I'm going to say something about messaging a little bit later, but um, let's flash forward to, to Roe versus Wade, which also happened this week. You know, a lot of people on the left decided that rather than saying, screw Mitch McConnell for stealing the seat and screw Clarence Thomas, 
they decided to go ahead and 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 plant their flag on this is because Democrats are factless. This is because blah blah yeah. blah. You know, everything they're doing uh, seeks to demoralize enthusiasm for Democrats. Talking about how much they suck. You can talk about how maybe we're pushing them to be better. We're calling their bluff. Or no, it's an election year. And again, I don't really want to tell people what they can and cannot say. But part of the reason why the Republicans kick our butt is because it's not messaging. It's not messaging. It's a different thing that they do. It's called message discipline. Message discipline. And, and, and realistically, when you have message discipline, which because of the nature of Democrats, let's just accept this, because of the nature of Democrats, message discipline will be mediocre at best on the Democratic side, right? Because everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's entitled to share that opinion. But I say it all to say that they're doing, you know, between before Ohio 11, before Roe, it was like, if you don't get rid of my student loans, I'm never voting for Democrats again. And now if, 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 if because you didn't support Nina Turner and you supported Chantel, we're never voting Democratic again. And because Mitch McConnell stole a seat and Clarence Thomas and Alito and everybody else went ahead and took away Roe, we're still going to blame Democrats. There is a concentrated effort on the far left to screw the party, and it's got to stop. Yeah, it's interesting that you brought this up because I, I do have a story for you. But uh, what I will say is I don't think this is the far left. I think there's a lot of people across the board democratically that uh, that try to sabotage it. So I will say this, John. I, I was in a group chat this week, and when this happened, they started blaming Democrats. Like, Democrats are soft and, and Democrats are losers and Democrats don't win. And this is what, what Bill Maher used to say was Democrats are losers and they're soft, right? Um so I decided to push back a little bit, and I said, "How do we lose if if the last five out of six elections we won the popular vote? How are we losers?" And they're like, "Well, 2016 we lost, and 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 then and I was like, all right, we 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 lost 2016, but we won 2018, we won 2020, and we won the Georgia runoffs. So it's like three wins in a row." And then they were like. Oh, but Biden barely won. I was like, what do you mean? He not only flipped Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, he flipped Arizona, Georgia. Like Biden didn't just sneak by when he completely blew him out. Like how is Biden a loser if he just completely blew out the incumbent president and nobody's ever, only three people have ever done that. So when I, what I noticed was this experiment that I did for myself made me actually realize like, John, you play football, right? Sometimes the field goal kicker misses the kick because he's in his mind. And I think that's what a lot of this is, is this we come in to, to, to the midterms thinking we're going to lose. Obama in 2008, I, I wasn't as politically um, involved as I am now. But from what I understand, Obama in 2008, one, decided that the first year, first year and a half was going to be passing health care. He did it. The first president in history to pass uh, 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 health care. Right. And then if you read the memoirs and you read the oral kind of histories, they all knew they were going to get slaughtered in 2010 because of passing healthcare. Think about it. Something that's massively popular. They were going to, they knew they were going to lose and they still did it. And I think that's a winner's mentality to say, I'm still going to do this and I'm still going to run on it. But I think that's, that's what's changed here is that we, we went into 2010 thinking we were going to lose in this group chat. I said, where we really lost was not showing up. We're not soft. We just, we're lazy. We keep not showing up. We could have passed single payer healthcare if we showed up in 2010. We could have 
gave Obama much more uh, leverage of a Merrick Garland seat if we showed up in 2014. Hey, hey, you know what? We we the Garland. You're laughing. Just give you what was that? Garland was we they stole the Garland seat, but you know we could have had the the Kavanaugh and Omi uh, Barrett seat if we showed up in 2016. So it's really on us. We're the losers. The Democratic voters are the losers, not the elected officials who are trying their best. We have to show up. So that's my long way of saying I've changed my mind a little bit on this. I think we have to start pushing back on that whole narrative. Well, the reason I was laughing, I thought of an analogy that I'm going to regret saying, and you're going to love, you're going to love, but maybe you're not going to love because of the comparison I'm going to make here. Democrats... As, as evidenced by even Barack Obama, Democrats are White Sox fans. We'll win a damn World Series and still not sell out the stadium. Cubs yeah. are Republicans. You will lose for a hundred damn years and you'll still show up every damn day. Both teams won a World Series. And I always said, I always said, when the, Demo- when the, when the White Sox won a World Series, <laughs> It's like we never won the World Series. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it happened. We suck everywhere else. Cubs won one World Series, and they're probably still on the Mount, you know. The the Cubs fans show up, win or lose. They cheer every freaking out. White Sox won a World Series, and two games into the following season, they're less than 50% attendance. That's Democrats. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you like being the Republicans being compared to, uh, I mean, the Cubs being <laughs> compared to Republicans, but you get what I'm saying. It's like the, the Democrats, unfortunately, have a White Sox fan mentality where even when, even when we're good, <clears throat> maybe we'll come to the game. Whereas the Cubs, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about 2005 Cubs, right? The Cubs in a losing season, will still sell out and Republicans will support. So I, I, how's that analogy sit with you? How, how, how does that, how does that analogy work? For the sake of analogies, I think it's accurate and I'll, I'll let it slide without, without pushing back for sure. Right. And, and, and so, but we need <laughs> the White Sox and it's funny, Brock's a White Sox fan, the Ricketts on the Cubs. That's all I'm saying. And the Cubs <laughs> won the world series the year that Donald Trump went to the White House. But when it comes to our political activism, Democrats have to be more Cubs fans and less White Sox fans. And to your point about our weakness is that we actually have to show up and, and you know, you guys stuck with Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor even when they were, even when they were basically the wheels had fallen off, but you guys were still showing up for those guys, right? Um, you, meanwhile, the White Sox, or, or the Democrats have Hillary Clinton, who is probably the best player in the league, not, you know, hands down, and we couldn't show up for her, right? Um, and, and, and so we do need to be more like Cubs fans and less like White Sox fans. And I'm sorry to my White Sox brethren, but I think that's really the only apt analogy that's out there when it comes to Chicago sports and the two political parties. Yeah, no, I, I feel like it's it's a perfect analogy. Speaking of Hillary, just a quick point. I saw her being interviewed and she was talking about Putin. And um, I kind of got a little sad because I, I actually thought she would have been a great president in 2016. So just a quick side note there. I thought she would have been great. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I agree. So when I started pushing back on this idea, I'll finish the story. Like I, I finished it, but I'll keep it going. When I started realizing like, no, it's the Democratic voters who are losers who refuse to show up every single time because they they come to show, they come to play. They might not play in that first half. They take their ball and they're like, I'm going home. That's really a loser mentality, right? So they pushed back to like, it's been, it's been 18 months. What has he done? And then I went to a tweet I favorited and I follow an account called What Has Biden Done? And I started listing off things, infrastructure, child checks, credits, uh, stimulus, COVID, boom, boom, boom. Uh, uh, Supreme Court, black woman, Supreme Court justice, boom, boom, boom. And then, and then they said Republicans played dirty. When all that stuff was happening, Mitch McConnell was filling judges' seat. And I said, this is what I said. These are two, these are two Democratic voters in this group chat, by the way. And I said, by the way, did you know in the first 18 months of Biden's presidency, he has outpaced every single president in filling judges since Ronald Reagan? I was like, did you know that? And he said, no, it's not. I was like, I didn't know that because it's not true. And I sent them an article where it said Biden has filled more seats in the first 18 months than any other president since Ronald Reagan. Not only that, but it's been the most diverse as far as uh, people of color and women judges as well. And I was like, see, like you were ready to nail him to the cross, uh, metaphorically speaking, for not filling judges. See, and I just showed you it's because your own laziness that you didn't even know this. So we have to start pushing back on the narrative. I, I think uh, Democratic voters are more losers than, than Biden is. We have to continue to show up and I think we'll be OK. I really do believe. Now, going back to Ohio, the other thing that happened on, on, in the Senate and on the Republican side was J.D. Vance uh, won a nomination. Uh, J.D. Vance, who actually uh, uh, is doing appearances with, you know, well-known white supremacists and, and all these other folks. And, you know, what's sad about the state of Ohio is my understanding is that J.D. Vance goes into this uh, general election as a favorite. And if you look at who J.D. Vance is, um, how much he sold himself out, don't forget, he came to prominence in 2016 with a book called Hillbilly Elegy, I believe, that was made into a film. And he was, you know, highly critical of Trump, but he saw an opportunity to become senator from Ohio. And he's, you know, hits his uh, success in the Trump train, and he's doing all the things. And first and foremost, Democrats have to bust their butt to get Tim Ryan in. But I would say the fact that someone who is basically got no moral compass, like a J.D. Vance, the fact that he is the leading candidate in this race right now um, speaks really poorly, not of uh, Democrats, but of Republicans and the people of Ohio. I mean, it's just despicable. And, you know, I'd like to think that Tim Ryan could put his head down, kick ass, and it would just be a travesty, an abomination, if you will if uh, J.D. Vance ends up winning that race, but who knows? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I had I had this whole time really thought Tim Ryan was the front runner here. And then what happened was when, when Vance won it, they were saying that there were some pollsters that I really respect were saying that Tim Ryan really doesn't have a shot in this race. Ohio is so far right. And, this, and then they carried Trump in 2016, 2020, and they just didn't think that Tim Ryan – had a shot. Tim Ryan pushed back and, and released internal polling that showed him up 1% on a hypothetical race with him in Vance. Look, I don't pretend to know, and, and certainly the polls uh, have been wrong before. Um, I, I, I don't know, right? 2022 is going to be interesting because 
it's not going to be Trump's not on the ballot for the first time in a while. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if, if they could get voter turnout, that's what it's going to turn into. Again, if I was Tim Ryan, I would, I would stop trying to convince people to vote for you that are Republican. I would really just try to get the people who, you know, are democratic to, to come out and show up. And so that's, that's what I think he should focus on. It's a, t- I would consider it a toss up as of now, but we're still a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, speaking of crazy, whacked out Republicans, um, I don't know what we want to call them. You know, who my boy, your boy, their boy, um, Madison Cawthorn had quite the week. Um, I'm not sure. You know, we know how it ended uh, with this. I call it revenge porn. I don't know what it was. Him flailing around butt naked uh, with some questionable hygiene. Um, I. I, here's the one thing, though. Uh, I, I tend to believe that his story may be plausible for one reason, um, <laughs> that, it may, that, that, that it may have just been joking around because I don't care uh, what. There's no, there was nothing remotely productive or romantic about what was going on. He was squealing like an ape. Uh, I, I have no idea. Uh, I was very proud that I did not stare it. But I just alluded to it. But what was your reaction on the whole Madison Cawthorn uh, uh, recording? I, I can't stop laughing because it reminded me of that video of him hitting the tree. Very similar motions. <laughs> but I will say that um, nobody is. All right, here's what I'll say. No, again, I laugh because this is the fifth show in a row. That we've said Madison has a better week. He's like that employee of the month that just keeps winning the award over and over. Republicans are definitely trying to sink him. But nobody is shaming Madison for doing anything uh, in the privacy of his home. So let's just say that. Nobody cares what he prefers or what he wants to do. or Nobody actually cares. What we're criticizing is the fact that you rail against the LGBTQ plus community but then you're you're privately doing things that that your your own party hates, right? So that's what we're really criticizing here. I will say this: I've been in locker rooms. You've been in locker rooms. There's oftentimes questionable behavior. I, I've never seen anything like this in a locker room, obviously. But there's questionable behavior amongst frat guys, and this is one of them. And I don't think what was happening in the video was. Uh, sexual in nature as much as it was joking. That's what my initial reaction. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But again, I don't care. I don't care if it was or wasn't. It doesn't mean anything to me. What I really care about is you're voting against um, um, re- you're voting against people's rights to do that and you want to do it privately, right? And there and there is also other Republican senators and there's rumors of Lindsey Graham and other stuff. And there's a, has to be a lot of pushback to say it's not about if you are or you aren't. It's simply about why you're, why you're being contradicted and you try to strip people of rights that you want to have. So that's the, that's the story here. But I will say that that watching the Republicans go after one of their own in this way is, is truly, truly uh, – I'm loving watching this. Yeah, and, and you, it was funny because – not funny. It was it was uh, just fascinating. Um, someone pointed out that this is how Republicans handle their bad, you know, apples or what have you. And why can't Democrats do it that way? I don't want Democrats to ever be that way. 
You know, remember her, early on when you were talking about, you know, the Republicans play dirty? You and I have had this discussion before, but I think that part of the challenge, and I've said this before, that it's not a fair comparison, Democrats versus Republicans, because our voters are different. I think our expectations are different. I don't think some of the stuff that Mitch McConnell has done, including not allowing Merrick Garland to have a hearing, Democratic supporters, I think that we want our, reason why we are Democrats is we want our elected officials to be better. And so when we talk about, you know, how, how the Republicans are treating Madison Cawthorn, um, there might be some oppo, there might be some stuff that we might do against some discontented, but I don't know if we go as crazy and as, you know, I, I do sort of feel like they've crossed some lines. Now, you know, what lines are there, you know? Uh, but, you know, I, I it's, it's funny because I am enjoying watching this. I'm enjoying watching the blow up uh, uh, over, over on, uh, on the right. Um, but I wouldn't want to see us handle our people that way. I wouldn't, I mean, I don't think we should have gotten rid of uh, Al Franken, but by the same token, I kind of like a party that that is willing to sacrifice a good member for what they believe is a moral, you know, ethical issue. You know, so, I mean, how do you feel about that? That, 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 that we do, that in addition to everything else, I do think that we are held to higher standards and we hold ourselves to higher standards. What is your take on, on that whole higher standards piece? I, I agree. I mean, people say that, that we don't look, you brought up Franken, but really the, I think the, the comparable uh, comparison here, I don't know if that's proper language, but the, the real comparison here is Cuomo, right? Like Cuomo was one alleged person. And then Biden said, if this is true, he should resign immediately. By the way, Biden and Cuomo have nothing to do with each other. Cuomo's a governor, which Biden has no kind of power over or leadership over. But Biden still stepped up as the leader of the Democratic Party and said he should resign. Guess what? Schumer said, as the, I think, New York kind of senior official say, hey, he should resign immediately. This was one person eventually turned into four people and Cuomo had to resign. So it's it's we do take care of our own people in our own ways when it's justified. But I will say this. People said, why don't we do this to Manchin? No matter what you say about Manchin, there's probably not a video of him railing against a dude in a bed, right? There's, there's not that there's anything wrong with it. There's not a video of him uh, punching trees. There's not a video of him doing blow. There's not a video of him talking about cocaine orgies, right? By and large, Democrats probably don't have a lot of those ammos to go after. And when it does, it's Anthony Weiner, and he was quickly, quickly shown the door. So, we'll. I think we have the the cutthroat mentality to do it. I just think. We don't have the, the 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 cases. We don't have the people to really get out of bounds. Well, if that makes sense. And I'll give you. I'll give you another thing. Is there's a Republican governor in, in West Virginia? <clears throat> if we wanted to get rid of Manchin, we'd be biting our nose off to spite our face. We, you know, the the as much as folks. Again, I tell this to people. We've got to wind down. And they're like, "Well, he's not going to be there for us on codification." You know what he was there for us on though? Katanji Brown Jackson. He. And, and, and you know, they're saying, well, the Democrats aren't doing anything. We can afford not to be in a majority. No, if if Mitch McConnell had the exact same job as Chuck Schumer, do you know how much worse things would be? Yeah, we can complain about what's not getting done, 
we can complain about how we need to wield power. But if you just want to punish the Democrats because you're not wielding power and get rid of Joe Manchin and get rid of Kristen Cinema, oh, I will show you it can get worse. It can get worse. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, you have anything before I write down anything, anything to add to that? The only thing I'll add is we, I, I don't think we have to get rid of them. I think their voters will decide if they should get rid of them or not. And, and they made their own bet if that's the case. So I'm fine with that as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so for now, this is John signing off. This is Fadi signing off. Thanks for joining us, guys. <laughs> <laughs>